It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Whatever you do, do not listen to the Vontaraj podcast. My name is Big Von. I'm on there. I've heard my stuff. It's foul. They're going to pull us off soon. I don't know. If you want to check it out, that's cool. You got myself, DC is chilling, Lex Jones, and many of, of my colorful friends. We're telling you about hip-hop, all the things that's going on, on the internet, things we learn from memes, and we're fighting for the rights of sex workers. Now, if you're brave, you can listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app and subscribe to however you listen to podcasts. But, hey, I'm, I warned you early. Trust me. 14. Now, your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. All right, welcome in. Come on in. We don't bite. Glad to have you with us. However, you're listening, wherever you may be listening to us, any part of the world, now thanks to the iHeartMedia app, we welcome you into this 700 WLW. Ken Brew in for Scott Sloan one more time on this glorious Wednesday in the tri state. Okay, bump at the pump. Driving in today, I told you yesterday, gas prices went up 16 cents at my favorite fill-em-up station. Today I drove by my favorite fill-em-up station. Gas prices now, at least there, are 285. There are some places here in the tri-state where they are kissing $3 a barrel. And uh, yet we wait to see if the United States does anything in retaliation for that drone strike on Saudi Arabia last weekend. More concerning to a lot of people is the fact that despite all of these great uh, radar systems and detection systems that are in place over in Saudi Arabia, neither the United States nor the Saudis could pick up these drones that came in and unleash this tack on the Saudi Arabian oil fields. What that means to you and me is what I just said, paint at the pump. And why can't the United States which now is exporting about 3 million barrels of oil a day. Why can't the United States fill the gap and stabilize what's going on here for you and me as we try to just get by on a day-to-day basis and fill them up at the pump? Somebody that might have information on that, we think he does, is standing by on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline. He is Adam Cooper. He is Chief Operating Officer. You know, in the corporate world, they call those guys COOs. Chief Operating Officer at Quest Automotive Services, and he joins us now to talk about this very perplexing problem here in the United States. And, Adam, good morning, and thank you for joining us. How are you on this glorious Wednesday? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, I've asked this question to a number of guests over the course of the last four or five days, and you get this right out of the chute. All of this transpired on Friday night into Saturday in Saudi Arabia, yet immediately we see a spike at the pump. Now, everything that's at the pump, everything that's been refined is there. It's not affected by this at all. All of that oil, all of that refining has taken place on things that were extracted from the ground over, you know, three, four months ago. So why do we pay for it immediately at the pump? Well, you start having people... um ramping up because you're going to have a time 
in the future to where all of a sudden they're going to have costs ramp up. And really it's just kind of almost gouging the customer because of something that has occurred in the world. Okay. I No, I get that. I get that. So is it, it's, it's predicated on what might happen down the road. In other words, this oil's out of the ground. It's been refined. It's at the pump, gasoline at the pump. But this is what, what might happen uh, a month from now, six weeks from now, when there could be uh, or there is now occurring a shortage. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, exactly. So, you know, they lost, what, five, almost six million barrels a day of production uh, in the attack. So the, the issue is going to be that, you know, that makes up not quite half of our production in the United States. But think of it that way. Think of us losing half our production overnight in the United States. So long-term, it's going to be an issue. So now all of a sudden, anything that's even on the market becomes more valuable, right? So right. Um, that's why they're doing it. That's how, how they're doing it um, is just the fact that what's left and what's available is now more valuable than what it was yesterday. Got it. Okay. So we export about 3 million barrels of oil a day. How many barrels of oil do we pump out of the ground a day here in the United States? So uh, we, we do about 15 million barrels a day of production. Uh, we're currently energy independent, um, and, and we still import barrels as well, but we're also exporting, as you said, um, roughly about 3 million barrels a day. We could actually, with our reserves, the United States could potentially fill that gap uh, it's going to take roughly 12 to 18 months for them to get even half of that production um, back to the market. So we could fill that gap with our reserves. The problem is is that you already have a lot of the pipelines flowing close to full pipe. So you cannot bring another 6 million barrels online overnight in the United States just because we do not have the infrastructure to do it currently. Okay, so uh, we, we also, we've got yeah. about we've got about eight thousand wells, right? Something like that in the United States. The problem, as you just mentioned, is the infrastructure. We 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 simply don't have the pipelines built to get this stuff that we're taking out of the ground, be it sour, be it cr- uh, sweet, crude, whatever it is. We can't get that to where it needs to go. So the real issue here are pipelines, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we have a ton of wells, um, and I think the number is like eight eight or ten million wells. But uh, anyways, we, we have a ton of pipelines in the United States that are full already. We have a lot of wells that haven't been completed. So we could actually turn a bunch of production on right now mm-hmm. and help fill that gap with another two or three million barrels. But how do you get that to the refineries? How do you get that to the end customer? And right now, we can't answer that question. Well, is Um, is the reason why we don't have pipelines, is it all environmental impact reasons, or are there other reasons why we don't have enough pipelines? There's there's so many different issues. I mean, it's costly to do. That being said, they pay back very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're very hard to get, you know, past all the regulations. So, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a massive pipeline system. Uh, in Oklahoma, you've got Cushing that, you know, a ton of the oil production in the world runs through mm-hmm. or in the United States, goes through Cushing, Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, that being said, how do you build onto that infrastructure and get it down from North Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado, 
and all the places up north that are producing more volume now, like Wyoming, mm-hmm. now is, has more permits than the Permian Basin, which is, you know, out in Midland, Texas. Right. They now are, are can drill more wells there than they can in the Permian if they have the infrastructure. They don't have the infrastructure. So we don't have the hotels and everything to even build pipelines or production facilities in Wyoming. So, again, it's not just a regulatory. It's an infrastructure as well that just isn't in place in certain areas that could bring on more production. So you're, you're talking not just about pipelines, but you have to have people build the pipelines, and the people who build pipelines have to have a place to stay, a place to eat, and things like that, right? Absolutely. So okay. that's one of the things we do is build pipelines, build production facilities. And right now we have to put man camps out on the side ourselves because there's no place to put guys. Uh, um, some companies are going in and renting out entire hotels for two years wow. and saying, hey, we want every room for the next two years because they're on massive projects. One of our projects up in Wyoming right now, um, you know, there's a thousand guys on it. So wow. that one that one place there's no way you could have a thousand people. So we have multiple man camps and multiple locations that we're having to put our people to, you know, provide labor to the job. So I guess a, a nice side business is build a hotel in Wyoming, and you're going to be in robust business for years. The bad news is, is you got to move to Wyoming, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you, you've got a ton of people doing that, too. Yeah. Now, separate from this, separate from the infrastructure problems of actually getting oil from the ground to where it needs to go to refineries, and we've already established that we have plenty of oil here in the United States in the ground. Got that. There's something also called the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Now, uh, I, I guess, for in, in layman's terms, it's this it's this storage of oil that we have tapped into from time to time, because of hurricanes, because of budget reasons, because of international unrest, we've tapped into to ease the the shortage of oil in the country. What you're saying is there's plenty of oil to be had underneath the ground. We shouldn't have to tap into this strategic petroleum reserve unless. We get to a point where there is this unrest again, and we can't get the oil from our own turf to where it needs to go to be refined. Am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. There's about 600 million barrels in that reserve, and we we could easily get to that reserve if we needed to. But at this point in time, the United States really could close its borders in and not be affected, to be honest. I mean, we, we make enough well, oil and gas Adam, Adam, you can call uh, Donald Trump on that. Good luck closing the borders. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. 
and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. But again, you, you could uh, actually have, you know, we make enough to, to provide all the oil and gas needed for the United States, but we can export it as well. And that's going to be the issue is for the rest of the world, you're going to see the rest of the world start to have a gap of 6 million barrels a day. Yeah. A lot of countries don't produce 6 million barrels a day. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're one of the largest in the world and have been for some time of production, and we're only doing you know 15 million barrels a day. We were only doing about 11 about five years ago. So you know, we've gone up 4 million barrels in, in five years, give or take you know, some of uh, half a million barrels or so. But again, to, to build up 5 million barrels a day is going to be a struggle because to, to rebuild that infrastructure it, and even get half of that back online is going to take a massive yeah. uh, amount of labor and time. And, time. Yeah. and money. It's going to take money. It's going to take yeah. money, absolutely. And you could also make it. Uh, you could also make a case for it, although it would drive the uh, Green New Deal people crazy. You could also make a, a case for it as being a, uh, a, a a case of national security. Go ahead, build a pipeline. We don't have to worry about whether or not some drone's going to blow up an oil field in Saudi Arabia or some uh, third world nutball dictator is going to take over a country. We we would have our own supply, our own our own supply of oil that would keep us percolating. Now, Adam Cooper. COO Quest Automated Services. Here's the big question. You ready for the big question on all of this? Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. How high will gas prices go in uh, wake of what happened in Saudi Arabia? And if the United States chooses, either through itself or as a proxy for uh, Saudi Arabia, and turns around and retaliates on Iran, how high could these gas prices go? Well, I think that if it escalates, you're going to see $100 barrel of oil, which is going to cause prices to go right back up to where they were a few years ago, you know, $350, $4 a gallon in some places. Um, you know, if if uh, we just leave it as it is, I think it'll hover right around $60, $65 a barrel um, at, for at least six to eight months. And then you're going to see the effects um you know, a year from now is really when you're going to see the effects of what has happened today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just going to be a, a good time for oil and gas. How about that? That's that's what I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, good time for the guys that have it, bad times for the guys that use it. Uh, Adam Cooper, COO uh, of uh, Quest Automated Services. If there's one message I think you want to get out today is get some pipelines built so we can get this stuff out of the ground to our refineries, process to the pump, so we don't have to worry about this nonsense anymore. Right? Am I right there, Adam? Absolutely. All right. Brother. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam. Thank you for your time here on 700 WLW. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I mean, here it is, plain black and white. Uh, I've got gasbuddy.com drawn up. Most of you are looking at 285 a gallon right now. Uh, there's a couple of places that have it for 275. You're going to have to search for them. Place in Covington, 
Another place in Covington has it for 264. But the fact of the matter is, 285 seems to be the central dollar figure on this $2.85. So the big problem is get it not just out of the ground, but get it to a refinery. That means you got to build pipelines. That means you got to deal with the environmentalists. That means you got to put money behind the project. And as I said, this could be a national security deal. We shall find out. Uh, Coming up on 923 after the news at the bottom of the hour, I'll be joined by somebody who says you should take a nap right now. And if you take a nap right now, you'll have great heart health. Everybody needs to go to sleep. Well, not not till afternoon, not till after 12 noon on 700 to 14. Jeff Weller, Nissan.com. 938 News Radio 700 WLW. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. You know, one of the major goals I have in life is to avoid a second heart attack. Uh, It's well documented. I had one about 10 years ago. They're not fun. And anything I can do, and I'm sure you're in the same boat too. Look, the last thing anybody wants is a heart attack. But, I mean, if if you can avoid a heart attack and or a stroke, you're going to do it. Now, we all know that doctors say, well, you don't eat these foods, you keep your sodium down, you do this and you do that with your diet, and you exercise regularly. We, I, th- I think that's been preached long enough that all of us get that. Whether we choose to listen to that is another story, but I think we all get that. But now here yet is another way, apparently, to lower the risk of strokes as well as heart attacks. And it's pretty simple. Take a nap. Just middle of the day, just sneak in a snooze. In fact, according to a study that was conducted between 2003 and 2017, just a couple of years ago, napping once or twice per week appears appears to lower the risk of stroke as well as heart attack and failures. This involved more than 3,400 people living in Switzerland, and it appears that this survey, this study, this this coordinated effort to find if napping really is something that can help you do just that, avoid the risk of heart disease, heart attack, stroke, it appears there may be something to this. At least it appears that way. Let's bring in someone who may know or someone that may be able to steer us in the right way in this one. Her name is Dr. Susanna Stoika. She was born, we are told, with the gift of being able to detect irregularities, stresses in the human energy field, and to correct them. And she's standing by on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline. And uh, Dr. Stoika, welcome to 700 WLW. How are you on this glorious Wednesday? I am wonderful. Uh, Looking forward to our discussion. Now, it says here you were born with the gift of being able to detect irregularities, stresses in the human energy field and correct them. So this is a gift you were given at birth. Explain that gift to us, please. It's what's called a healer. Uh, Actually, healers don't heal. uh, Healers only balance the energy field. So our own uh, healing programming, which we are born with, can work again normally. So you're, you're someone that facilitates what we already have as humans to tap into that to help us then, if there's some sort of malady we have, to help us heal ourselves. What's happening when a person is uh, sick, that the energy field is weaker, 
So the programming which we have given at birth doesn't work properly. Mm-hmm. If we are stressed, it's even worse. Oh. The programming really cannot work. So a healer takes out the stresses, uh, balances the energy field so the whole field has the right vibration which you were born with. And then your programming kinks in mm-hmm. and you get well. Well, stress is something, unfortunately, we all have. And managing stress is really a difficult thing for a lot of us. But apparently, if you can manage stress, if you can get it under control, that will uh, really curtail a lot of the things that we face in life in terms of sickness. At least that's what I've been told. Am I correct? Yes, it's correct. The only uh, caveat is if you have stress, but it's a positive stress. Positive stress. Uh, it can be beneficial for you. What is positive stress? Doing something that uh, you really enjoy. Oh. So well. doing very intensely. In my case, I love writing books. Oh, okay. I, I mean, there are a and lot of things you can do intensely that are stressful, but you, you write books, and that's a stressful thing, meeting your deadline and things like that. Yes. And uh, at the end, when you have to do the corrections, you have to have very, very long days. Mm. So you read the book in one piece. Yeah. So it works together. Got you. I even had, unwittingly, I had an experiment, which was very interesting. I uh, was finishing up uh, some books. Uh, I, I let my diet slip. Oh. I didn't sleep as usual, and my uh, I had to go to the yearly checkup, yeah. and I found that my parameters actually became better. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. That's good. Now, what about so this thing? doing something intensely, intensely. that you enjoy yeah. uh, balances your energy field. Well, that's, the, you know, I, I, I enjoy those things, too. Uh, but what about this thing, napping? You know, a couple of times a week could protect you, me, and all of us against heart attacks and strokes. How would na- Why does napping do that? Napping uh, breaks up the cycle of uh, stress. Mm. When we are stressed and we continue doing whatever we uh, do that creates stress, we create even more stress. So it gets accumulated, stress on top of stress. Yes. If we sleep... We stop this uh, building up of stress. I so it, it makes a lot of sense that uh, napping would be good for you. Right. So this is kind of like uh, you're doing something stressful, be it work or you've got a problem at home or whatever it may be. This gives you kind of uh, downtime and, in essence, builds the body's energy back up so that you could face whatever stressful thing that may wait for you the rest of the day. I guess that's what you're saying. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a woman over 40, dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. 
and MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yes, but also uh, calms down the field. Calms down the, so ener- the energy the field. Whole, which yeah. calms down the whole system. Right, right. Now, it says here, I, I'm reading this study, it really doesn't matter if you, if you nap for five minutes or an hour, you still get kind of the same result. Is that right? Which makes sense, because you just interrupt the cycle of uh, stress buildup. So if you're at your desk at work, you obviously can't, you know, snooze for an hour. You know, you might get in trouble with your boss. But you could always go somewhere where maybe no one is going to bother you in your place of employment and shut your eyes for five minutes and just let everything regenerate. Yes. Yes, there are people who are able to do the five to ten minute uh, nap, and they are uh, refreshed and ready to go again. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Stoika, what if you have uh, you can't sleep during the night? I have trouble sleeping during the night. And because of that, I get to I get tired during the day. If I take a nap during the day, then I probably won't sleep again that night, right? Yeah, that's not a, a good idea. So I should. The better ta- I, idea I sh- is to to figure out a way in which you can uh, sleep again during the night. Well, how would I figure that out? Uh, you can. Uh, there are a number of homeopathics mm-hmm. uh, or tea. Which which can be a great help, uh, not doing anything uh, stressful or that whips up your attention mm-hmm. for an hour, an hour and a half before going to bed, uh, dimming the lights in the house. Uh, all of those can help you sleep again. So you have to find out the routine which is specifically for you helpful. Right. Uh, so if you're on your, let's say you're sitting in bed and you're on your cell phone and you're going through your Twitter account right before you go to sleep, that's probably a bad deal, right? You wouldn't want to do that, right? No, you no. don't want to do that. No. Uh, uh, they even have some studies saying that the blue light, which is, uh, comes off from the iPads and phones, yeah. uh, creates problems with sleeping. Yeah, well, phones and iPads create problems just about everywhere, don't they? I mean... Whether you're distracted by them or you're, they're, they're taking time away from uh, people you want to interact with, it may, they're, just, they're just bad in and of themselves. They're a necessity, but they're bad. But there's a time and place for all of that, and it's not in the bed at 10 after 10 at night, right? Not in the not no, in bed. No, definitely no. not in bed. Yeah. We're uh, chatting with Dr. Susanna Stoika. She, uh, she has a special ability to work with brain trauma, whether it's a concussion or a stroke or other brain irregularities like ALS. So you work with people with ALS. That's a horrible, debilitating disease. But how do you help? How do you help people with ALS? Uh, I found that not all uh, all ALS cases are the same. Uh, they can be caused by uh, high toxicity, uh, low uh, trace minerals, mm-hmm. uh, or uh, the traditional one is when the neural connections are broken. Yeah. Uh, I was able to work with all of that because I can detect those things very easily in the field. And and you have your Ph.D. in computer engineering. See, you even work with computers, so you know the dangers of working with computers, right? They are a blessing, but if you don't use them right, yeah. of course they are bad. So what are we talking about here, uh, Dr. Susanna Stoika? Uh, there could be... 
uh, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people listening to us right now, and they're driving around and they're going here or there, maybe they're at their office, and you're saying if someone listening to us right now just takes a nap, five minutes, an hour max, just takes a nap one or two times a week, that that will lower their risk of strokes, heart attacks, other other heart uh, ab- abnormalities, simply because it breaks up the tension and resets everything and brings the energy field around them back to normal. That's what we're saying here. Uh, It doesn't bring all the way back to normal, but it helps uh, not continue building up the stress. Well, I'm going to take a nap here in just a minute, so I'm going to have to cut this interview (laughs) short, but I'm I'm only kidding. Well, people can find you at healingbrainjury.com, correct? Yes, correct. And when when someone goes there, what do they find? They find you, obviously. But they have, they find a lot of the things we've been talking about. Yes, uh, there is a lot of information about brain injury and how to recover from brain injury, as well as information of how they can uh, work with me uh, about my books. Yeah. And uh, they can even send questions. There well, is a page, uh, page where they can contact me well, see, and I, send me questions. I was just going to say that you should write a book about this, but you've already written a book about this. Yeah, a few books. few books. So you're a best-selling author, too, in addition to helping people avoid heart attacks and strokes. You're, uh, you're a one-of-a-kind woman. I'm just telling you, can we do this again? Can I have you on again to talk more about this? I would love that. I would love to. I'm gonna, let, let's just figure on doing this again. Dr. Susanna Stoika says, take a nap. Whatever you do, take a nap once or twice this week. Doctor, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. See, there you go. I've said this all along. I've said this all along. What you need to do in the middle of the day is take a nap. Now, we're very lucky here at, uh, at 700 WLW because we have couches and we have salons and we have spas where if things get too stressful, for example, if, say, Bill Cunningham comes in early, then what we can do is just escape to one of those places. In fact, as I speak right now, I'm looking at the spa right across the hallway, and there's Mike McConnell in the spa right now. Probably needs to put on a bathing suit, but there he is right there right now. 950 News Radio, 700 W. G Cincinnati. Ah, yes. Who wouldn't want peaceful sleep? Because when one closes his eyes and nestles his head into a pillow, all he wants really are sweet dreams. Because sweet dreams bring on a blissful night of sleep. It's called hitting the post, by the way. 749-7000-1800, the big one. Those uh, phone numbers have been indelibly printed into my brain, and I say them all the time when I sit behind this, the coveted microphone at 700-WLW. I am Ken Brew. Proud to be with you on this glorious Wednesday. Coming up at 10.06, ABC's Aaron Katursky. If you haven't heard, the state of New York has banned all flavored e-cigarettes and up in Columbus, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine is itching to put his signature on a bill doing the exact same thing. And what does that mean to uh, people who are out there vaping their heads off? You can't go anywhere anymore without seeing uh, the, the billowing smoke. Oh, I mean, I there's a place that I, I frequent that uh, you can find me on most days that end in Y. And when I go there, there's always this one guy who's out in the parking lot, and he just has this this billowing white smoke around him. I thought at first he was electing a new pope. 
Uh, but then come to find out, he's he's got this this these e-cigarettes, and and there are those who believe that they are as addicting, if not as bad for you, but it, as addicting as regular cigarettes. So we're going to get into that after the news at ten oh five. Maybe you've got that problem. Maybe you, as they like to say, blow a heater every once in a while. And what does that do to you? We'll find out coming up. Time now for the news to get you up to date on what's going on around the world and around the tri-state. On the most coveted radio station in the world. I mean coveted in a sense to not just listen to, but to work at. 700 WL. Radio app today. Now, your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. Pleasure to be sitting in for Scott Sloan today. Scotty is out. He'll be back next week. And uh, normalcy will return uh, to the 9 to noon hour. I don't know if you saw this uh, yesterday, but the uh, state of New York has banned flavored e-cigarettes. Uh, This after federal health officials investigate a mysterious surge of severe breathing illnesses linked to vaping. Uh, This comes as a seventh e-cigarette-related death was uh, reported. Now, uh, this is from the Dayton Daily News. I'll just read you this, and you can make it of it as you want. Uh, But Governor Mike DeWine who has made child protection a hallmark of his career, is now researching whether he has the legal authority to ban liquid flavors used in e-cigarettes as one way to battle against child vaping or children vaping. Uh, It's a public health issue that needs to be addressed, according to his spokesman. Now, uh, if he does this, If Ohio bans flavored vaping products, it will all but wipe out the 650-plus vaping stores. That, according to a man by the name of James Jarvis, who is the president of something called the Ohio Vapor Trade Association. But we've seen now Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer uh, and uh, now uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo each issue executive orders to ban the sale of flavored e-cigarettes. And then if you look in DeWine's two-year state budget bill, uh, there is a new law that bumps the tobacco and vaping product purchase age to 21 as of next month. So uh, this obviously is something that has caught the attention of DeWine. It's obviously something that uh, has been the product of legislation uh, that has gone down in both Uh, Michigan and New York State. In fact, nationally, the Trump administration uh, is exploring plans to ban flavored e-cigarettes. This is excluding tobacco flavors. Uh, So we'll see exactly where the governor goes with this as to whether or not he he wants to go forward with it. But it uh, it happened in New York State. And uh, it happened, uh, I guess, after... A lot of consternation from the vaping industry. In fact, it says here the vote by the state public health and uh, planning council. It means the prohibition, which covers flavored e-cigarettes and other vaping products, except for menthol and tobacco flavors, will go into effect immediately. 
which means retailers have a couple of weeks to remove the merchandise from store shelves. It uh, it was uh, controversial, to say the least. Whether it works, I don't know. We'll find out here in just a second. Let's welcome into the discussion from ABC News, their senior investigative reporter, Aaron Katursky, who's waiting right now, anxiously, I'm sure, on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline. Aaron, good morning. Thanks for joining us. And it says here you're a senior investigative reporter. Did you get a? Did you get some sort of promotion I don't know about, or has it always been that way? And they just never told me. No, you know, every now and again they uh, they, they 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 change yeah. what they call you. You know. Yeah, but it doesn't mean more money. That's the big. <laughs> That's always the question. That's always the question. And no, sadly. Uh, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, as I just mentioned, uh, he became the first. Uh, state or New York State became the first state in the union to ban the sale of flavored e-cigarettes. Now, was this a great groundswell? Was this something that uh, the general population was concerned about, or was this just one of these political things? Well, I mean, I think it, 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 it was political in, in the decision, but I, I, I don't know if there was a groundswell, but certainly there's been an alarm raised about hundreds of deaths uh, or hundreds of death, hundreds of injuries, uh, lung-related, you know, ailments related to to vaping, and as many as seven deaths that have now been attributed to e-cigarettes, and that's caused alarm among the health community. And so uh, the governor said he didn't want to wait for any federal action. We know President Trump has proposed a ban on flavored e-cigarettes, but uh, Governor Cuomo said he was responding to an urgent public health. Uh, crisis, which is, you know, he in, in his estimation, getting kids hooked uh, on a bad habit. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why he's taking specific aim at flavored e-cigarettes, which he believes uh, are, are meant only to hook kids. Yeah, uh, Michigan is right there with New York State. And now, as, as I mentioned before you came on, uh, the governor of this state, Mike DeWine, is, is trying mm. to get the same thing through. He views this as a as an epidemic. He said uh, that it's, you know, it's just there's too many kids vaping. I think there's 600, maybe 700 uh, vaping stores in the state of Ohio right now. This would wipe them out. In New York State, it goes into effect in a couple of weeks, so all of the vaping stores are out of business in a couple well, of weeks, right? I don't know if they're out of business. They, they, you know, the, the flavored products are certainly a, a, a part of their business, but, but um, you know, menthol, tobacco, uh, vaping products are, are, are exempt from this. So I'm not sure they're going to be entirely out of business, and, and, and I'm not sure that this is necessarily going to last. But uh, there, there is a concern about what's in these products. Many of the illnesses um, seem to, to be related to a vitamin E acetate that's in THC vaping products. Yeah. So, I, I mean, even public health officials will, will acknowledge that, that e-cigarettes that are flavored may not exactly be the, the problem. But they're trying to hit a moving target because they just don't know. Yeah, but you mentioned something just a, a few seconds ago. You're not sure if it's going to stand. Is there a chance this could be overruled by what, the state legislature up there? No, no, I don't think so. But um, the, the, you know, if the, if the feds do something... Um, or, or, or try to rework the regulations, you know that that may ultimately take precedence. But um, but again, the the the, uh, the the folks of the state health department didn't really want to wait for that. You know, I can actually say, uh, Aaron, I've never vaped. I remember as a kid, you know, you slip a few bucks to an older brother, he'd go get you a pack of cigarettes. So I I don't know really and truly what what you get out of vaping. I don't know if it's a buzz. Or what it is? Does any what happens when you do you vape? Do you can you can you know anyone that vapes that that what do they get out of it? What do you get out of it? Well, you get the same you know you get the same yeah, benefits. Not the right word, but but you, you get the same or similar um, 
blast, you know, rush from, or whatever. From yeah. a cigarette. Yeah. It's just um, some some of the 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 the, the effect is, is similar, but but according to, to Juul, it's it's a safer alternative. We know the FDA has stopped Juul from from saying that because they just don't know that that's actually true. I wasn't trying to out you, by the way, to see whether or not you vaped. I was just wondering, you know, really just wondering exactly what you get. But it sounds like the, the same kind of thing. So Cuomo did this, and apparently uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer is about to, if she hasn't already done this, uh, my guess is, if, if you know, Trump wants to do it on a national level, but it seems like states are picking this thing up quickly. It says here, now, I don't know, this is uh, out of the Wall Street Journal, that there might be a half dozen states ready to act on this as well. So you may get states, uh, in, in effect, ahead of the curve, several states ahead of the curve of the, of the federal government on this. Uh, because many states have become convinced that whether flavored e-cigarettes are the culprit for these lung ailments, they are sort of the gateway for young people to get hooked and, and, and maybe on, hooked on something that's quite dangerous. So believing that, and there's an estimated 3.6 million teens that, that use these uh, flavored e-cigarettes. If that's the, the case, then you know the states are convinced that banning these products may be the, the, the best course of action to prevent kids from going down this road. Well. Uh, Aaron Katursky, thank you. Congratulations on your promotion, even, yeah, if, even if it came to me late. But, you know, at Cincinnati, we get things here later anyway. Yeah. You know how that works. Thank you. Aaron. you. Thank right. you. Right. Aaron Katursky, ABC News. So, again, yeah, this may happen right here in uh, in the state of Ohio sooner than later. Uh, flavored e-cigarettes could be on the out. Uh, a lot of people want to weigh in on this. Let's go to Andrew in Western Hills. Andrew, you're on the air, and you go right ahead. Uh, it's Anthony. I'm but, sorry. Um, it says Andrew here, so, you know. That's all good. You may okay. want to operate uh, under an assumed name once or twice. I have. Uh, y'all, yeah. I'm, <laughs> Anthony might not even be my real name. There you anyway, go. Anyway, uh, one thing that's just grinding my gears while he was just on, he said, well, they're just shooting at anything because they don't know. It's a moving target, and they don't know what to So you just ban stuff, and you have no idea what you're banning? But they know, and they admitted that it's THC pens and it's vitamin e and that's vitamin e is never in vape products yeah do that's you, only in the black market thc pens do you uh do you vape uh, andrew or anthony do you vape uh, i used to but um I, it got me off of cigarettes that's yeah. the whole point that's why vaping was created is to get people off of cigarettes yeah yeah i uh, i andy uh, anthony andrew whatever i appreciate the the thoughts on that i do and that, that you're right that's the idea it gets you off of cigarettes chuck is in Dent, home of the haunted house. Chuck, you're on the air. You go right ahead. Hey, Ken. Um, you, I wonder if Daddy DeWine, since he's taking care of all of us, do you think maybe we should ban the uh, flavored alcohol too? How about craft beers? Let's Actually, ban those. I mean, if you follow that logic, uh, tobacco is illegal for anybody under 18 years old, like alcohol is illegal for anybody under 21. Yeah. So, I mean, if following the same logic, uh, I think the top drink for females is sex on the beach so mm. maybe we should ban all those products i need to buy some of that i'm going to the beach next month but it's a it's a legitimate thing i mean uh does this then infringe on the rights of you as a citizen to go buy something that was from all accounts legal it was legal right it was legal up until a week ago till yesterday in new york state uh, and uh, good point there by uh, a couple of callers ago. Is there enough research out there? 1019, 1019, Ken Brew for Scott Sloan, News Radio 700 WLW.com.
Hey, during the break, this is when the real action hits here at the big one. My producer, who is joined at the hip with Scott Sloan, although I don't know why he's not with Scott Sloan today, but uh, but Jimmy Sandy just confessed during the break that he vapes. And he says that the reason why he vapes is because he gets he gets an urge to smoke. I'm guessing Jimmy used to smoke. Um, I only know that because we used to find Jimmy in his car and it looked like Cheech and Chong behind Anyway, uh, and he says he vapes because he gets the same kind of feeling out of vaping that, uh, that he did when he lit up, a lit up a cigarette. And maybe that's why you vape. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe you don't, but if you do, that's, that's maybe the reason why you do. And, um, what the what the 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 feeling the, the the impetus behind all of this? I just stuttered there. I don't normally do that. Is that they want to curtail the government of each one of these states, New York State, Michigan, and perhaps Ohio? They're most concerned about what it would do to a young person. That if they got hooked on this, a teen or whatever, that that would be something they would do forever, or it might lead to tobacco. It's the old fear of the unknown, but still. Uh, they're afraid that this addiction would supersede. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Super plan any th- other addiction that you may have. And the long term research on what vaping does to your cardiovascular system, just it's not there. It's not there. When cigarettes were first uh, forced, when companies, when tobacco companies were first forced to put labels on their cigarette packs, that it might be harmful to your health, and then research told us that they that if you smoke cigarettes, your chances of contracting lung cancer are exponentially going up. We knew that after a very long exposure to people smoking cigarettes. It went back not just decades, it went back centuries. Well, we don't have that kind of research yet with vaping. And so that's where all of this concern comes in. Over and above the fact that it's expensive and over and above the fact that uh, um, vaping is something that the state of Ohio, for example, has has targeted with $4.1 million on programs aimed to fight kids vaping. And so this bill that uh, that DeWine has out there, it's a, it's a budget bill, two-year state budget bill, is a new law that bumps the tobacco and vaping product purchase to 21 as of next month, as of October. And it says the number of Ohio teens who smoke cigarettes has declined dramatically over the last 20 years. But now the worry is that there is a rise in vaping. And this then may lead to similar lung maladies that that tobacco did, simply because there's no research. Now, there are those that say, well, they really just want to do this to grab some of your tax dollars. and, And maybe so, maybe no. But it's coming. 
And the vaping industry, as we know it, the stores that sell these things, they're going to have to undergo a a very large change here. Very large change. Uh, Coming up straight ahead on this edition of the Scott Sloan Extravaganza, Julie Bauke, our career Sherpa standing by. Three signs, you're, you're a bad boss. First sign, maybe everybody quits on you. On 700WL.com. Giving you a vocational leg up on everyone else. Here's our career Sherpa, Julie Bauke. Julie, how did you get this title, career Sherpa? Did you give it to yourself? Did you get an award? I'm just interested on how one attains that kind of moniker. Or the blame. Yeah. Sony gets the credit or the blame, whatever you want to give him. Yeah, well, uh, he's not here. So we'll just give him the blame. But I think it's a cool, that's a cool title, Career Sherpa. <laughs> that's wonderful. Someone that, yeah. walk, someone that walks along in tandem with you, if not in a physical sense, in an urethral sense, to guide you through your career. How about that? That is perfect. That's yeah. perfect. I'm sure that's what he had in mind. Yeah, well, if I have my... If he's out of the country, we could probably blame a lot of other things on him, too. If he's out of the country, we can alert the Border Patrol, which would really we solve could. our Yeah. Oh, maybe he won't be able to get back in. No, well, then, then, then that's that's good. That's more work for me. No, he'll be back on Monday. Trust <laughs> me on that one. All right, so, so we want to talk about bad bosses. You know, this is funny, Julie. I, I bumped into someone today, about 7.30 this morning who runs a, a major company that I, I once worked for. And I and he was very nice. He came over and he said hi to me. And we had met briefly a few years back. Mm-hmm. And in the course of the conversation, I told him about someone who used to work with us that I said was the best general manager that I ever had in my career, which now is is stumbling onto about 50 years. And uh, he said, we had a nice conversation about this person. And as I left, I thought, well, what? What made this guy the best general manager, the best boss I ever had? And the thing that he did was he let me be me. So long as it didn't affect anyone else adversely, he let me be me and do my thing. And I said, you know, as I continue to talk to myself, because it's only the good conversation I have, I went down the list of people that I did work for that were horrible bosses and what they did. And there was a trend, and I, get, I this is what I want to talk about. There are signs, are there not, that you may be working for a bad boss. What are those signs? Well, you know, it's it's um, some of the, you know, I hear so much from people who are looking for a new job, mm-hmm. and this is a great time to do it because the job market is so hot. So one of the things that they, one of the things that will ask is why. You know, why is now the time that you've decided to look? Right. And it, you know, it's like nine times out of ten, it has something to do with either the culture of the company yeah. or the person they work for directly. Yeah. Um, and there's an old you know saying that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses. Mm-hmm. They don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. And I think that's very true in our experience. And the problem is people who are bad bosses, yeah. first of all, bad bosses in the eye of the beholder. So you might have a boss that is a micromanager and who's you know wants to read your emails before you send them out and really views you as an extension of him or herself right. and doesn't let you develop and grow. To most people, that's a bad boss. Yeah. But there are some people who love that level of mm-hmm. direction and oversight. Yeah. Because maybe they have you know the lack of confidence or whatever it is, so there there are certain things that generally make up a bad boss, 
And one of them, one of the biggest ones we hear is being a micromanager. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you know, but Julie, if you're a good boss, it's like a baseball manager. You have 25 egos on your team, and they all have to be massaged differently. If you're a good boss, you, you should know, well, this, this, this person needs this. This person doesn't need that, but he or she needs this. To me, right. it's someone that has that kind of perception that makes them a good boss. Yeah, but you have to understand that there are some people that, you know, just like a, a coach on the field, there are some people that respond well to, you know, being yelled at. Yeah, that's right, right. Most of us don't, but there are some people that do. Um, with some people, it just makes them resentful and you become passive aggressive. So you have to understand what is it that is motivating for each person. And if you're not willing to do that, then you probably shouldn't be in a leadership role because that's really what leadership is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have any sort of an attitude that, oh, they just need to you know, get their heads out of their butts and do their job and I'm not here to babysit, if you have any of those sort of thoughts, you're a bad manager. Yeah. And you will lose yeah. not everybody but your best people right. because your best people are marketable and they'll be picked off by your competitors because we are in that kind of a job market, well, and that's that's not going to change. I'll, I'll peel the the skin off the onion in in the television news business, which is was my my chosen field for forty five years. We have uh, you have someone that runs the television station, and then you have department heads, and the department head that runs the the news operation is called the news director. Well, most news directors are promoted up the chain from low-level things like uh, assistant producers, then show producers, then executive producers, and then news directors, and they're promoted up the chain because the people that run these stations don't want to lose that employee because he or she is valuable. Well, they are valuable at a certain level, but you get promoted up, and you, you're not equipped to do that job. You become less valuable, and all of a sudden you have someone in charge that's not competent, they're just promoted up so the station doesn't lose what they perceive to be a valuable employee. And, and again, I think along the way, the skill sets for each one of those promotions aren't there. And by the time you get to the top, they're really not there. And all of a sudden, they're managing people. And I, I sense it may be that way in a lot of companies as well, not just oh, the television yeah. industry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been that way as long as I've been in the workforce and as long as you've been in the workforce. And we can talk about it. And and there's about six bazillion books on leadership out there, and it doesn't get any better. It's because most people, when they are in that behavior, they don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. They're still – they're like, oh, you're not talking about me. You're talking about somebody else. But it it especially happens – I saw it happen a lot in the technical fields where when someone is a technical expert or a subject matter expert at something – or the best salesperson, the assumption is, oh, okay, then you're going to be the best leader of salespeople, which is completely false. But we've got this idea that anybody can lead, anybody can manage, yet we have tons of evidence that that's not true. Because in, in, in almost every case, when we talk to people about why they left, why they want to leave, it's the person they're reporting yeah. to. Yeah. And it is, it's just, we're not learning. You know, we're not figuring this out. And that's what's so sad. I I think it's going to continue on as, you know, as long as there are people in the world. And micromanagers don't recognize themselves as micromanagers. They just think they're providing guidance. Right. 
because they that they they invariably did that job, and so they want to do that job the way they believe that job should be done. And if the person that they're managing isn't doing it the way they exactly want it, that's when micromanaging comes in. And I think any any company that has those kinds of people, unless you've hired somebody that needs it, and then in that case, why did you hire that person in the first right. place? Uh, so so micromanaging so so micromanaging would be one of the three signs you're a bad yeah. boss. Okay, what would be the other two? Okay. Um, if, if, you know, if, if you are a manager or we have a manager that doesn't respect your personal time or boundaries, we live in this world of 24-7 expectation. Mm-hmm. And so if you've got – so ask yourself, if you, are you one of those managers or do you have one of those managers where they expect you to answer your emails and do stuff pretty much 24-7, but at the same time, when you want to work from home or you have to come in late because of an appointment – or because you were on a client site um, and out of town all week, if you don't allow that, yet you still expect them to be to answer your emails and customer calls twenty four seven, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because right, because yeah. you're asking for a level of commitment and engagement that goes well beyond the quote unquote general hours. Yet on the other side of the coin, you enforce general hours. Yeah. Oh, I don't care that you were up till midnight working on a customer problem. Our working hours start at 8 a.m., so you better be here. Yeah. I don't care whether you took a red eye. You know, yeah. these are our hours. Oh, by the way, get that project done this weekend. Right. So, so that, that inflexibility and that lack of respect of personal time and understanding that even if you as a leader have decided to dedicate your life and waking hours to your company, that doesn't mean everybody else should. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's a that's a, a cult, that's a culture problem. That is a culture problem yeah, right there. It is. All right, so that's two, and the third would be inconsistent. Uh, inconsistent in how you administer the policies, the informal and the formal policies. Playing favorites. If you let this person get away with it, but not this person, if you allow, you know, no matter what it is, whether it is attire or vacation time or, you know, how you work, um, if you let this person work from home, but not this person, and you don't explain why, and people don't understand why, whether you want to call it inconsistency or playing favorites, you know, it is, it's just a morale killer. Yeah. And you might have those A players that you really go out of your way to try to keep, but you also need your B and C players. The world can't run on only A players. And so how are you applying not only the formal rules and policies of the organization, but the things that you have in your control? How much notice do you need to give for vacation time? You know, how are you letting people get away with stuff because you don't want to confront them for their poor behavior? Right, right. um, People see it, and managers don't think they do. They think they're being being covert, and they're not. And that, again, is just a morale and culture killer. Right, And, and as you said, as we began this, this is a great time to identify whether or not you've got somebody that you're working for that has any of those, if not all three, and get the hell out because your skills right now on the labor market are, mm. are in demand. There's, I think the last I checked, there were 7 million unfilled jobs in this country. So if you've got a specific skill set and you're working for some bozo, uh, th- now is a great time to get out and market yourself and not be subjected to any of that stuff, right? It is. you know, And, and I will tell you that fall, September, October, is consistently the hottest time of the year to look for a job. 
every one of our clients is in, is interview has multiple interviews right now. Wow. Um, and so they've got their pick yeah. of what they want. And so if you are, are at all unhappy, don't wait for the job market to slow down, for heaven's sakes. Um, it really is, you know, it really is the time to get out there and start looking. Yeah. And you can do better, but you got to get clear on what you want. you got to put together a plan to get it. Yeah. So don't put up with what you're putting up with if you're miserable. It's you know, not worth it. Like, your life is not worth it. You know, you're really smart. Now I know why they have you on every week. I mean, you know all yeah. about this stuff. It's you unbelievable. You're that out? No, I'm, no, I'm just saying. I'm sitting, well, look, I'm not an A player. I'm a B player that can play A sometimes, Julie. <laughs> And I feel like I'm playing A right now because I just discovered how dang smart you are about all this stuff. Well, you know, I could even make something out of you, I think. Yeah, well, good luck because there have been women before that have just tried and failed miserably. So (laughs) if you can do that, you'll be doing a great community service. Um, I have great confidence. Yeah, I know know Sloaney asks you this from time to time, but how can people find you if they need to find you? Because I would think there's somebody that wants to walk alongside you, euphemistically speaking here from a career standpoint. How can they find you? TheBaukeGroup.com, and it's B-A-U-K-E. All right, Julie. Well, it's always great speaking All with right. you. All right. All right, you have a great See day. Ya. Thank you. Julie Balky, The Balky Group. There you go. It's a great time to get out. Speaking of getting out, i got to get out because it's time to make a little money on 700 w- Now, your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. You know, one of the things that's most disturbing, I think, to anyone is to walk around unknowing what is going on. Uh, Not just in your world, but in your body. The fear of the unknown, right? I mean, everybody wants to know what's going on. Nobody wants to be out in the blue on anything. And when it comes to your health, and you don't know what's going on inside your body by the time it's found, it could be too late. Do you realize that there are, I want to make sure I get this correctly before we proceed here, but uh, an estimated 30 million of us, could be you, could be me, estimated 30 million of us are affected by undiagnosed diseases. Now, this is according to the National Institutes of Health, NIH. Uh, They did a study, and to me, that is um, a startling number. Uh, Alex Trebek comes immediately to mind, right? Alex Trebek has pancreatic cancer. He's undergoing another round of chemotherapy. He thought he had it licked, and he did not. And they say if you have pancreatic cancer, by the time they discover that you have this, it's too late. It's, It's over. They can prolong life, but they cannot curtail it. And there are a lot of other diseases that are similar to that in nature. So what if you are one of the 30 million Americans walking around uh, with some undiagnosed disease? What do you do? What do you do? Standing by on the AcuteHearingCenters.com hotline is Dr. Soroko Sokic. She has a book out, Healing When It Seems Impossible, Seven Keys to Defy the Odds. And 30 million sounds like it is, uh, they are some staggering odds. So let's welcome her in. And uh, Dr. Sokic, welcome to 700 WLW. And how are you on this glorious Wednesday? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet, you bet, you bet. 30 million sounds like a large number. It's uh, 30 million with some sort of undiagnosed disease. That's frightening. It could be you. It could be me. It could be anybody, right? Yes. Could be anybody, yes. So you're walking around. You have absolutely no clue. You go to see your doctor. 
And there's a reason why they call it practicing medicine, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to poke, they're going to prod. And as I like to say, they'll say to you, here's a pill, go get a test. Um, And sometimes that test comes back and it's inconclusive. And sometimes that pill, you don't know if it works or it doesn't work. So, I mean, what do you do at that point if you're one of those 30 million? Well, um, you know, you do. Many of the people who come to see me are people who have been to five or six or seven doctors and not found any answers to their problems. Mm-hmm. And usually what you do is you start looking for other people to give you answers. So you might ask your friends, you might ask your family, you might read my book healing when it seems impossible, you start looking for other solutions. Um, You know, some people start looking in Google, which can have good effects and can have bad effects, of course. Yeah. So So you say they come to see you. What what kind of doctor are you? Well, I I practice a blend of Chinese and Western medicine. Okay. And I I trained originally in general surgery and worked as an emergency room physician for 10 years. Um, while I studied acupuncture, and one of the reasons I went in to study Chinese medicine was actually because as a surgical resident, I found that even with the best of Western medicine, and this is almost 30 years ago, even then with the best that we had to offer, we still had patients who had problems that we couldn't solve. Sometimes they were in tremendous amount of pain. Sometimes they'd had an operation and the operation didn't solve their problems. And I was just like, I have to find answers. That has always been my driving force is to find how to help people solve problems. Look, can, so, we, can we just, just pause for a second there? Western, yes. Western medicine, or, or, or medicine as we know it in this, yes. this part of the hemisphere, uh, to me there's an awful lot of it that's trial and error. That they, you know, you go to a doctor, doctors are not gods. They're people, as I say, there's a reason why they call it practicing medicine. Yeah. Uh, but, but an awful lot of it, in my opinion, is trial and error. Is that a is that a wrong opinion? Well, no, it's not entirely wrong. It's um, it's a lot of times we don't know. Again, a lot of a lot of people have. And I think it's more than thirty million people actually that have problems that we don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. So we'll give them a something to help them feel better, hopefully, but may not have the answer, which is, again, why I do what I do. I do testing that's different. I do acupuncture and herbal medicine because within those systems, there's other ways of looking at things that might be the answer. Yeah, and that, and, and there are a lot of, of doctors, and I, yeah. I, I tend to think that they're old-line doctors, and by old-line, I mean 50s into their 60s that don't embrace that kind of alternative medicine, homeopathic medicine. They don't, they, don't, they don't seem to get their arms around it. Acupuncture don't seem to get their arms around it. Why do you figure that's so? Well, some, something could, could be because they don't have experience with or understanding of what it really is. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, some people claim that there's not science behind it, but there is actually quite a bit of science behind 
both Chinese medicine and functional medicine, which are the two styles of medicine I practice. Um, so, and sometimes it could just be because they've heard some stories that aren't positive, you yeah. know, so it's so all kinds of reasons. Well, what, what, what you said, Chinese medicine, yes. acupuncture, I think most people understand the process, if not the actual result of or, or what it does, but they understand yeah. what it is. Um, but what is Chinese medicine? What, what, what is that? Chinese medicine is the system of medicine that acupuncture is based on, and the whole idea is that you're made up of energy, and energy travels through your body in certain patterns, and when it's out of balance, there are problems. So the whole purpose is to get your body in balance and to help it heal. And a lot of times when people have mystery illnesses, uh, even if you don't have a solution, if you use a, a way to help your body get in balance, and over the years what I've figured out is a way of using both Chinese and Western medicine to understand hormones, immune system, and nervous system. So those are sort of the three elements, what I call the triangle of wellness. And if you get your hormones, your nervous system, and immune system in balance, mm -hmm. then your body will have the tools it needs in order to heal no matter what the problem is. So even if you don't have a diagnosis, if you start getting the systems in balance, your body will figure it out and heal itself. Well, and in Western medicine, oftentimes it's here's a prescription, go get a drug, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. the reality. Yeah. Of, and this is this seems to be the antithesis of it. Well, sometimes I give people medications. <laughs> no, well, no, but I, what I'm saying is what yeah. you're trying to do, it sounds like, is get the body back in. in it's kind of like taking your car in for a tune-up, right? It's kind of like getting exactly. everything working together, and therefore yeah. if you do have something that pops up, your body would be in better, it would have a better chance of fighting that illness off. That, that's exactly. what it sounds like. Yeah. Yes, so exactly. let's, say, let's say you've been, to, again, this is, Western, uh, this is Western medicine, and we all... Yeah. Very much in the headlines with healthcare and all that. But let's say you've been to see this doctor uh, for uh, for like a colon problem, and then that mm -hmm. doesn't work, and you're going to see another doctor, and you're hoping that doctor can help fix what's wrong. And after a while, you've been through doctors, and you've been through copayments, and you've been you know you've exhausted your insurance. What do you do at that point? Because a lot of people just say. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm just going to deal with this rather than keep this, this canard going where I'm just trying to go from one doctor to the next. What do you do when you reach the end of your rope? Well, that's when people come to see me. That's when they start looking for alternatives. That's when they start asking questions like, what else can I do? What, who else can I see? <clears throat> and, you know, you start looking on the Internet for people who do other things. You start asking your friends what who can I see, what What have you done for your health? And, you know, most of my patients come because a friend or family member suggested that they look into either functional medicine or a doctor who does something differently. And I'm a safe place to start because I'm already a Western physician mm -hmm. but also do other things. And that, that feels like a good place to go, yeah. you know, to look for a physician who's trained in either functional medicine or Chinese medicine and to start asking questions that are different. Our guest is Dr. Shiroko Sokic. She has her medical degree from the University of Washington School of Medicine, and she owns Heart to Heart Medical Center. She's based in Santa Rosa, California. So you've got your, your book out, which, uh, again, let me give you the title of that because you mentioned that earlier. We'll mention it again. Uh, healing when it seems impossible. Healing when it seems impossible. So you talk about the seven keys to define, defying the odds when it comes to undiagnosed health issues. What would those seven keys be? 
Well, lots of different things. The first one is love. And the reason for love is because if you feel frustrated with your health and you think that your body is your enemy, if you start thinking of your body as your friend and start approaching it from the angle of love, mm-hmm. things will change for you. Love. That, yeah, everybody needs love in their life, right, Doc? Exactly. You might as well love yourself. Yes. Right. And then the second is the physical balance, which I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. the hormones, the immune system, and the nervous system, getting that systems into balance so that the body has a substrate to heal. And then the third is learning to uh, find your own unique lifestyle, finding the right diet, the right exercise, the things that will help your body move in the right direction. Mm-hmm. The, third, the fourth is learning to listen to your body, and I have a whole bunch of ways that people can use specific tools. Mm-hmm. This book is full of suggestions and tools that you can use yourself in order to facilitate the healing process. Um, And then the fifth key is the emotional component. There's always an emotional component. The sixth key is the hero's journey. So when a person is on this difficult path, it sometimes feels like you want to give up, and you should never give up. So Mm -hmm. the sixth chapter is called Never Give Up. And then the seventh is uh, to trust that the journey that you're on is leading you to a great place. See so, that? Yeah, yeah. And I was, I was going to suggest an eighth, which would be the belief in believing in something other than your normal. But that's seven. So you got it. You yeah. got it right there at seven. Yeah. Well, you got it down. You got it down. <laughs> so it's just when it when all else fails, trust yourself to seek alternative. And even if things are going well. It doesn't necessarily mean your body, as we talked about earlier, is, is in sync, that everything is, is together. You might be only running on two of the three. Well, maybe you need three of the three then, and how do you get that third component back? I guess people yeah. can find you at hearttoheartmedicalcenter.com, and then yeah. I, I just uh, dialed you up on Twitter. There you are on Twitter. It's at uh, D-R-S-H-I-O-K-O, Dr. Shiroko. So there, yeah. that's pretty easy, huh? I mean, it's not bad at all. It's pretty easy, yeah. Pretty easy. That's what we like. Uh, Good stuff, Doc. Thank you so much for your help. Again, the book is Healing When It Seems Impossible, Seven Keys to Defy the Odds. Uh, Dr. Sokic, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Ken. It's great to talk to you. It seems to me that... uh, I've been through with with a a few people uh, diseases that just claim them. And uh, it seems to me that if I went back and I thought about this better and differently along the way, maybe the outcome would have been a little different. And uh, it's not saying that this is a, a substitute for Western medicine. It's, it's, it's something to be used in conjunction with Western medicine. And um, don't be afraid. Um, I'm sure there are insurance issues. Insurance may not cover it. But if the end, if the end game is to get better and you're in a position right now where it seems hopeless under traditional care, then why not? Again, her name is Dr. Shiroko Sokic, and uh, that interview will be available, as all will be, on the podcast of this show, which you can find at 700 WLW. It's 1121, coming up on 1122 News Radio, 700 WLW. Welcome back, 700 WLW. Ken Bruin for Scott Sloan on this glorious Wednesday. The Great American is coming up at 12.06, and then all hell breaks loose between then and 3 o'clock. More on what he has coming up in just a moment. Um, 
anybody who has raised children, anybody who has brought children into this world, raised them, nurtured them, and then sent them on their merry way into adulthood knows what I'm about to talk about. You ever been out at a restaurant and you saw a bunch of kids, three, maybe four, maybe two, maybe one, sitting there with their parents, and the kid acts up. And and the kid, all he wants really, or she wants, is attention. But the parent is not giving the kid attention. They're just trying to coddle their kid or give them this or give them that. And all of a sudden, uh, the kid that's acting up is ruining a dinner for everyone else in the room because the parents won't deal with the kid. When my kids did that, I would pick my son or my daughter up and I would leave. I would leave the restaurant. I was not going to make my problem a problem for everybody else that was there. Well, that's the way I chose to raise my children. Now, apparently, apparently, the way I chose to raise my children is not something that is, shall we say, universal in parenting today, just that one little aspect of it. In fact, when another parent or former parent sees a parent in today's world doing something that you didn't do, you will confront that parent of a child that that parent is raising right now. In fact, almost one in five parents in this new survey that's just come out, almost one in five parents have been accused of bad parenting by a complete stranger. Now, I never opened my mouth and confronted someone who, whose kid was acting up. I just would just sit there or I would ask to be moved. But apparently, apparently now, 20% of people in that situation will confront the parent. Or if they see the parent doing something else, the kid's not in the stroller, the kid's not in a car seat correctly, the kid's eating too much chocolate. Standing by on the acutehearingcenters.com hotline to address this, this new phenomenon is someone that that knows about these kinds of things. She is a licensed professional counselor. And she runs the Brain Performance Center. Yes, she does. Her name is Lee Richardson, and she's standing by to talk about just this. Lee, good morning, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Ken, for having me. Has anyone ever parent-shamed you? Probably so. I mean, shaming is very common, and it's almost acceptable by some. I'm sure I've had a friend when I know I had twin little twin boys, and I'm sure at one point I said to one, you know, stop acting like that, grow up. And I'm sure a friend heard me and and said, hey, you know, come on, because it is it's it's just we get as parents we get overwhelmed. And we get a little bit irritated or frustrated, and we feel the need to control our children, and we do it. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. When a child is born, he or she doesn't come with a handbook. I mean, basically, birth is birth, and there's no, there's no, hey, mom, dad, here's a handbook, and this is how you're going to do it. It, it, it doesn't exist. I mean, years ago, back in the really bad old days, there was Dr. Spock, but Times change, people change. There, there is no rule of thumb, is there, in raising a kid? No, there isn't. You know, and I think you you bring up an excellent point because what's acceptable in one family and in one culture may not be in the next family or the next culture. And I think that we need to understand what the impact that shaming does have on our kids. I mean, we do it because we think it works. We, You know, as I said, you know, Stop that, you know, don't act that way. And they do stop. They stop acting that way. So I think, well, that worked. 
But you really have to stop and ask yourself, did it really work? Yeah. Or what, is there a damaging effect? Yeah. Well, what do you do? I mean, if somebody, if you're on the street, and apparently this happened in, in Great Britain, they did this survey, one in five parents have been accused of bad parenting by a complete stranger. I mean, my inclination would be, you know, mind your own business. This isn't this isn't your kid. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I mean... Maybe I would try to be a little more diplomatic about it, but it's nobody's damn business how I'm raising my kid. Well, unless you're physically, I agree with that, unless you're physically hurting your child. Right. And, you know, that's a, that's a whole different ballgame. But if you're speaking your, to your child in an angry tone or in a loud voice, is it really the person walking down the street's business? Do they know what no. that child did to get you to react that way? Because sometimes... Our children do need to be corrected. Sure they do, by the parent. See, this is where I, see, Lee, this is where I've, I've, you know, I've got a little bit of a problem. I think parenting in this day and age is different. And again, I'm going to sound like that proverbial angry man shaking his fist at the clouds, but I think parenting in this day and age has changed from the time I raised my kids, maybe from the time you raised your kids. Now, nowadays, it seems like parents want to be the kid's friend, as opposed to the kid's parent. And so maybe because of that, and again, I know that's a broad generalization, but it's just it's anecdotal and it's stuff I've, I've, I've kind of seen out and about here, is that I, I, I think a, a kid needs a parent. It doesn't need a parent who's a friend because it can ha- it'll have, he'll have, she'll have plenty of friends in their lives. And I think maybe it's a sign of the times that, Maybe parenting is different and needs to be reined in a little bit. Am, am I the angry man here? Well, I think you make some good points. I mean, parenting is one of the toughest jobs we'll ever do. And parents were always striving to do their best. I did, mm-hmm. but I was a parent. I was a mom. I was not always the bearer of good news because I didn't want to be their best friend. You know, these surveys just have me laughing. It really does. It says on this thing, uh, 61% of parents simply wish they could spend more time with their children. 38% feel guilty about how often they check their phone when they're with their kids. Well, don't check your phone when you're with your kids. Or spend more time with your kids. Make it an appointment to spend more time with your kids. Absolutely. I mean, it seems very, very easy. But it's that work-life balance. And for a lot of families, it's... It is very, very difficult. And if you struggle with that, carve out those little special moments of joy because that means a lot to your kid, yeah. you know? I just, you know, I see bad, bad parenting here, right? And I'm just wondering what the definition of bad parenting is. We A couple of minutes ago when I said I would tell somebody it's none of their business as to what I'm doing as the way I'm raising my kids. And you mentioned if there was some sort of physical abuse or something like that, or even it could be construed as mental abuse. That's a whole different topic we can have at another time. But uh, I just wonder what the de- the definition of bad parenting, it would seem like it would the, the, the umbrella would be huge, right? You give your kid too much candy. You don't clothe him properly. He goes out and he's, you know, he's swearing up and down the street. I I, I guess maybe that would be the obvious things, but by and large, what is bad parenting in this day and age? How would you define it other than the physical and mental abuse? I don't think that there is one definition of bad parenting. I think it depends upon the culture, the family norm, um, what the situation is. 
I don't think there's one definition, and I think that's what makes it so difficult. We all have to figure it out for ourselves, and we have to figure out how we can be the best parent we can be. And before you have kids, I mean, here I am preaching again, but before you have kids, sit down and think about what that job is going to be like. Everybody that, you know, is, is romantically in love with the romantic idea, I'm going to have a baby, I'm going to be a parent, I'm going to be a mom, I'm going to be... Sit down and think about what that means and what that will mean to your life and whether or not you feel you're going to be a, a, a good parent. You know, it's it's if, if it was that easy to be a good parent, there would be no crime in this world, there would be no sickness in this world. So I think you have to have a little bit of thought that goes into what it will be like, how it will affect your life financially and otherwise, and how you will raise the child before you actually have the child. That's a great conversation to have with your significant other and certainly with yourself. I, I, you know, I kind of think a lot of this stuff is common sense, but I would certainly suggest that. Would you? Absolutely, because not everybody is meant to be a parent. Not everybody has that level of empathy and understanding and patience and desire. Yeah. But, Are you? And the, that's okay. Yeah. No. No. I think I, I, absolutely. It. It's like it. It. It's okay. It's got to be right for you. By the way, Lee, are you this calm? Every time, like everything in your life, you're just so calm and serene. It's almost, I almost feel like you have complete control over your life and you're not going to let anyone take it away from you. Just so calm and serene. I like that. Well, I am at the moment. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, Lee Richardson, licensed professional counselor. She has uh, founded the Brain Performance Center. By the way, where is the Brain Performance Center? It's in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. And what is that all about? By the way, what that is about is creating regulation in the brain. You know, stress, genetics, physical trauma, emotional trauma, all of that can put your brain into a dysregulated state. Yeah. And it's and you can put that brain back into a regulated state without necessarily taking medication. And that's what we focus on. Beautiful. I love that. That's fantastic. Hey, Lee, it's always great having you on. Thanks for joining us today on 700 WLW. You have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult when you raise a kid. It doesn't matter what era they're in. Or, or, or I'll be honest with you. I think raising children in the times that we live in with social media are much more difficult than what they were when I raised my children back in the bad old days. But it's awfully difficult for some people just to keep their mouths shut when they see a parent doing something they don't agree with. And I think it's okay if a family member pulls a parent aside, like if you see your your brother doing something and with his kid, you may want to pull him aside and say, hey, man, do you really want to do that? I mean, you think about this. If you have that kind of relationship with your, your brother or your sister or whatever. But I think a complete stranger walking up and saying something to someone I think is absolutely insane, and I think it's rude, and I think it's wrong. Just as I think it's rude and wrong, for a parent to let a kid act up in a public place totally unaware of how it's affecting other people. I mean, this whole thing about, oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at little Susie. She just took a crap on the rug. Isn't she wonderful? No, she's not. And she's ruining it for everyone else. I mean, you have to have that kind of smarts and that kind of antenna if you want to raise a kid. I don't think there are many parents like that. But I also think it's completely nuts for a complete stranger to go up to a parent when a kid is acting up and say, hey, you're wrong. Hey, you shouldn't be doing Yeah, that's not the way you do it. Because chances are that parent is trying to do 
the best that he or she knows how, just trying to do their job as a parent. So I think the lesson here in all of this is, is if you're a parent, have your antenna up as to what your kid may be doing that may be infiltrating and making other people's lives miserable. And conversely, if that's happening and you're an adult who's raised kids, then go someplace else. Just move. I think the rest of us would be very happy. Well, if you think you're happy now, stand by because you're ready to get some absolute delirium. Up next, after Red's Roundup with the Cowboy, is the great American. Willie today, right out of the chute, has Kaylee McEnany from Fox News. And then down the road, from your Hamilton County Commission, Denise Driehaus on the concert hall at the Banks. And whether or not that's going to happen. I'll see you tomorrow at high noon for William. Back in here tomorrow with the great American taking some time off. On News Radio, 700. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.